right. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, so we just finished singing a song about uh, the great name of, of God. And one of the things that I just want to say from the very beginning is please don't hear anything that we're saying as being an end in itself. Uh, it'd be very easy for us to spend these days together talking about social holiness and think that the kind of community that we've been living in with these other four guys for now over a quarter of a century is the end game. Um, the end game is the glory of his name. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you were to kind of push behind the glory of his name, we would tell you that the end game is uh, maybe secondarily, it's the reaching of lost people. Um, you know, I mean, remember that that the church is the only institution on earth that exists for people who are not yet a part of it. And so um, don't, don't see and hear what we're saying this morning as kind of like, oh man, if I could just get there, then I will have arrived. Mm -hmm. Because we're doing this for the glory of his name first, mm. and secondly, that the lost would be reached. And uh, this, these are just some of the tools that get us to that place. Right. And so don't, don't overhear what we're saying. So, um, so I, I was privileged to uh, you know, kind of be the, the, the opening act, I guess, uh, on Tuesday around this whole idea of social holiness. And Jessica reminded us that that quote that's often used of John Wesley around social holiness that has been really bastardized in the church and that what we've done is we've made it into like drilling wells and giving away mosquito nets. Now, please hear me. We need to drill wells and give away mosquito nets. But that's not what John Wesley meant. That what John Wesley meant was talking about social holiness, was he was talking about not living in solitary religion, not living our faith alone. As a matter of fact, the whole Methodist system of classes and society, or societies, classes and bands, was designed because he wanted to create a community for people to grow their faith in to the glory of his name and so that the lost could be reached, okay? So we've been trying to live into that stream and I suggested um, on Tuesday that, uh, that we see it in the very Godhead as the Father sent the Son who stepped into our scubalon. He stepped into our mess, into our junk and that then he invites us to step into the mess of other people's lives and then I suggested at the very end of the message that we need to allow a select group of people to step into our stuff, mm -hmm. into our mess. And that's what this group has done. So I, I pastor down in Southwest Florida. You know enough about me. So uh, Matthew, why don't you introduce yourself, then Dale, and then Dale, if you'd kind of tell them how we started, great, how the groups began. Yeah, sure. Uh, Matthew Hartsfield, I pastor at Van Dyke United Methodist Church in the Tampa Bay area. I'm on my, uh, what, 24th year there. So they've been stuck with me a good long while, but been Amen. enjoying the ride there. Uh, we actually began uh, a little over 26 years ago. At that time in the Florida Conference, there was really only one group that resembled anything like this. And it was a group uh, with some guys like uh, Jim Harnish and, and Phil Routon and a few others, uh, what you might call a covenant group, uh, because that was a strange bird at that time. Well, two others in our conference, Wayne Wyatt and Joe McLaren, wanted to experience something similar. And so they talked to them about that, and then Wayne and Joe got together and prayed and discerned, and they made a few phone calls out of a short list that they had made. And we each received a call from Joe or Wayne and said, hey, would you like to be a part of a covenant group? 
I, what are we going to do? I don't know, but would you like to be part of the covenant group? So uh, we entered into this covenant relationship uh, over 26 years ago. Our very first meeting was in a, uh, a built-out trailer in Inverness, Florida. It was nasty. It was a heat. Uh, we've since uh, upgraded the accommodations <laughs> since then, but we were poor and, and broke pastors at that point and didn't have anything. So um, that's the beginning, uh, kind of the, the genesis of our group. And uh, Dale, why don't you kind of talk about what we do in a normal sure. retreat? Well, first of all, what an honor uh, to be here and get to share with you guys today and let you peek in a little bit about what we do. And I want to underscore, George, what you were saying about the the representation of social holiness. And Dr. Pohl did a fantastic job uh, yesterday helping us understand that cool. even, even more so. Mm -hmm. um, so my name is Dale Locke, and I'm the lead pastor of Community of Hope Church, which is in Midwestern Palm Beach County, uh, Southeast Florida. It's a church that my family started. Uh, my wife, Beth, who's also a graduate of this uh, school, our older daughter, Haley, who is in her third year uh, working on an MDiv degree here. <laughs> And um, also want to say, too, uh, Max Wilkins is here. Max is the president of the Mission Society. Stand up, and I Max. I want you to stand. Max is uh, also part of this group and wanted to say that. Max, fact, Max, Max, Max will verify everything we're saying, whether yeah. it's true or not afterwards. But um, so when we come together, here's the rhythm of what we do. We meet twice a year. We meet in the spring and in the fall. The expectations are this. We have dinner together beginning Sunday night. So we all have full schedules of ministry. Uh, we are packed and ready to go after uh, church is over and we drive to wherever location we are. We begin Sunday night and we conclude with breakfast on Wednesday morning. So we do Sunday night to Wednesday morning, two times a year. Uh, whenever we come together, there's a lot of me meals, which I think includes sort of the shop talk around ministry and this sort of thing. But uh, one significant part of the event all the time is we do some deep sharing around the group. So each, of the, uh, each member of the group takes 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, and we, we uh, open ourselves to share our story since the last time we were together, and it's in that story oftentimes that we are receiving both you know, challenge and or questions from mm -hmm. other members uh, in the group, and then oftentimes that concludes with us laying hands on each uh, member of the group yeah. and, just and to, praying for one another. And the story basically has three components. Uh, how is it with your soul? How is it with your family? How yeah. is it with your church and ministry? Great. So, great. Yeah, the, the other thing I would say is, is we really play hard. I mean, you know, uh, Dale always says that we have to be near water. Uh, so we're either in a pool or on a boat. Um, and we have some stories. Uh, uh, Matthew almost killed me in a boat once. I ran the boat over. Uh, I jumped in the water in the boat. Wayne almost. was actually piloting was the Wayne, boat. Wayne was piloting the boat. Yeah. And he went to Candler like you do. Right. So I, I, See, I didn't know, you know. So, uh, See, Wayne and Max and I are the three. Three, three Candler guys. Candler, so. They're almost saved. We almost got them saved. So. Um, and, and, but we have a lot of fun. Um, uh, sometimes we get in trouble. Uh, one time... Uh, uh, I think I brought a jet ski. I borrowed a jet ski from a friend of mine and uh, towed it down to Key West. And um, we found a spot. Uh, we think it was an illegal spot. We don't know. To put the boat in. And uh, we had forgotten the, well, the flotation the devices. PFDs. So we yeah, sent Max back George. to the condo to get the flotation devices at the condo. It was like 30 minutes away. Dale, tell them what happened next. 
So uh, in Florida, it's illegal to uh, ride on a jet ski without a flotation device. And we didn't so, know that. Uh, I want everybody to get the scene. We're in the Keys. It's beautiful there. And we're just waiting on Max to get back with uh, the flotation device, life preserver. And so all the guys started to take a little quick ride on the jet ski, which is illegal. And they kept asking me to do it. And I said, it's illegal. I'm not going to do it. Every time I do something wrong, I get caught. The scripture says, be careful. Your sins will find you out. And so um, finally, I gave in to temptation. I was the last person to get on the jet ski. And as I rode out on the jet ski, here comes the FDLE and the Florida Highway Patrol pulling into the parking lot, yep. and I yes. about got arrested. Well, at the very time, the, the police officer has given us a hard time, and I pulled the pastor card, and I said, we're actually a group of pastors. I thought it would get mercy. He said, you guys should know better. <laughs> and uh, so Max was pulling up with a, flota- uh, with a flotation device, sees the police officers, and by, by then he had calmed down, and I asked the officer, I said, could, could I ask a favor? And he said, okay, weird time to ask a favor. I said, would you put me in handcuffs? (laughs) And so he whipped me around and put me in handcuffs so Max could pull up and see that. Max pulls up, seeing me put in handcuffs, puts the car in reverse and drives (laughs) off. So there's there's the story right there. It it just went from bad to worse because uh, most of us had gotten on the jet ski and we just did a few circles. Now you, idiot, you get on the jet ski (laughs) and he makes a beeline out into the Gulf side on the north side of Big Pine Key where we were. Well, that's when it was Florida Marine Patrol and the sheriff's deputy both come in this boat ramp beach area at the same time. Now we could see this Dale's out there, stop idling, he sees it. They have a little conference. Marine Patrol guy decides to leave. The sheriff's deputy's given this jurisdiction, apparently. So he starts walking up. First thing he says is, "Um, do you know that guy? (laughs) Six of us are kind of waiting in the water like, yeah, he's with us. Wave him in. So we're like, Dale, come on in. Now here's Dale out there idling. He's watching all this. And he's not moving. He's got ca- he's ca- 90 miles to Cuba. He's calculating, you see. So finally he's coming in. Now as he's coming in, the deputy starts engaging the rest of us, the six of us pastors there. He doesn't know we're pastors yet in conversation. He says, all right, uh, now who owns that jet ski? Well, we borrowed it. Oh. So there's no PFDs. You've borrowed the jet ski. Uh, oh, but, but a friend of ours, uh, he's gone off to where we're staying to get the PFDs. Oh, so there's a friend of yours with the PFDs for a jet ski you borrowed. I mean, it's just looking it terrible. So We're all going to prison. So by the time he gets in, this conversation is insured, you know, finds out, you know, we're pastors and the, all the, that. The quick end of the story, $250 later... Mm-hmm. So, and I gave the ticket and said, we, we're a covenant group. We'll share. Thank you. I think I still owe you my share. You, you probably <laughs> so, so we have a lot of fun. The, the other thing that, that happens is, it, I, I, and this is not an exaggeration. Um, there is not a single day that goes by, not a single day, uh, in between those uh, three days a week or three days uh, twice a year, there's not a single day that there isn't a series of texts or emails mm-hmm. that we send back and forth with each other. 
And one of the things that, um, that I would say is uh, a part of the real gift and benefit of this covenant group for 26 plus years now is, um, is that uh, we help each other get better at ministry. And, um, and so uh, we, we share together in a lot of stuff. Uh, we go to conferences together. Uh, we've been to Willow Creek and to New Room and other conferences together. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we share books that we're reading. Um, we help each other uh, in our church. Uh, we do a lot of recovery ministry, and we help train uh, Dale's folks around that. Uh, Matthew's church does some remarkable ministry with juveniles uh, who are incarcerated, and they've helped train us, actually released us, to do some ministry now, so we replicate their ministry down in Southwest Florida. Yeah, very, very synergistic. Yeah. Share best practices and best failures. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. so I would also say that one of the pieces that the gifts we, we keep each other accountable to is staying faithful to the Great Commission, uh, and, and whether that's locally or globally, and, and we hold each other accountable to those kinds of things. It's not okay for your church not to be advancing in kingdom work. And, and so you know, that's a byproduct. It's, it's not the, the end game. It's not the only thing that we do, but I think we help each other get better mm-hmm. at, at ministry. One of the things that I remember, and many of you are going to have this experience, it's around the corner for you, so make a note uh, of that. But uh, I remember early in our ministry, before the, the covenant group, I often think about before and after. So we, we were serving as associate pastors in large churches, and I served with a very loving senior pastor, and I uh, had a good three years of ministry there. I felt called to be a lead pastor in another place, but uh, was serving there. But my wife, Beth, and I began to notice that both he and his wife, they didn't seem to have any friends. And we began to notice that, and we would get with them, and we, we as the associate couple would invite them to dinner. We would invite them to our home. But we began to notice over time, they never invited anybody to dinner. They never went out with anybody in their church. They didn't seem to have any friends. And I pushed into that respectfully uh, one time at lunch, and he began to tell me that he had had such a difficult time really in ministry. Ministry is difficult, it's hard. He had been hurt, he had been betrayed, He had begun to share some things that didn't go well, and as a result of that, they sort of isolated and held off. And I can remember coming back to my wife early in our ministry, and I said, okay, so that's a track. We could do that. That's an option. But that looks lonely, and it looks miserable. Yeah. And I'm not sure I could do the run at that. And so, you know, one of the things that I think we would want to challenge you with uh, even this morning is that You're going to be tempted when you leave this wonderful place and this wonderful community to think this is the only place where you can really have experienced community, frankly, if you're leaning into that like Jessica challenges Mm -hmm. you to do. And um, But there's actually another option, but the option really has to do with intention, being intentional about building community. Mm -hmm. It's really an option. It's a choice. It's related to the scripture we heard read this morning. So we have to take the necessary steps to begin to build into the community that we really want to associate our lives with and our ministry with. And uh, I would say, and I'll turn it over to you, George, I think you have some things you want to say about that, but we've determined even now there's statistics 
you could do that, but you'll last around seven or eight years yeah. in that position, and then something's going to happen. Yeah, so, so the guy that is uh, kind of my church coach that works with me and works with our church, um, he's worked with several thousand in my denomination, United Methodist, uh, our denomination, several thousand uh, churches that his organization has. And he says the number one uh, malady that he, they see, the number one disease that they see in Christian churches and in organizations is intense loneliness among leaders. And, um, and, and there is this tendency that when you handle the holy things, you know, you want to get set apart. And, and I get that to some degree. And I believe it's a, it's a tension you have to live between handling the holy things, yeah. um, between being pastor, but then between being a human being who has certain needs. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we've, we've all worked hard. It's interesting that all of us in our church environments, uh, we have deep friendships within the life of the church, deep friendships uh, on staff. Uh, we don't apologize about that. Um, we try to be healthy about that. We don't apologize about it. There, I know that for us, there are times when we're out with a few of our closest friends on staff, we go, this is a no Facebook, no Twitter moment. Because it can, you know, mm -hmm. it can harm people. If, if, you know, how come I don't get to go out with Pastor Matthew? Yeah. So we, yeah. you know, kind of have some of those moments, that sort of deal. Um, I, I want us to kind of switch gears and, and, and talk about uh, maybe how over the 25 years um, there have been some hard moments, some difficult moments, uh, personally and professionally. Um, and um, why don't we jump into that? I know, Dale, you, you know, there's one time particular. Yeah. Let me, let me, yeah, say, jump, jump in. Let me just say, before we switch that gear, Please. obviously you're well aware of the famous instances within the church world of North America where, where pastors will, will burn out or blow up or break down. Uh, but there's a lot who are not famous, and we know quite a few even in the Florida Conference, uh, who uh, for various reasons... Uh, some very scandalous, quote-unquote, some very boring and mundane, but are no longer in ministry, no longer in love with the church, some of them no longer in love with the Lord. Uh, and you can boil it down to one word, and that one word's isolation. Mm -hmm. Over and over again, no matter what their circumstances or situations were, that's the one common denominator is isolation. And that's just the decision that we made over 26 years ago would not define us. Well, and like Matthew's saying, you're, you have to, again, make a decision not to because the very nature of our work is going to drive you to that. And I think sometimes if, we, if our theology is not right, we're going we're gonna to see that as actually commended to us in our theological framework. And so one of the values, again, of what, what Jessica's been challenging us with, what Dr. Paul shared yesterday, is really the antithesis of that. So, um, yeah, there have been some hard moments. Um, in 04 and 05, our, our area of the country went through some devastating hurricanes. Uh, our church was six years old. It was a mile wide and an inch deep at that point. We were running about 600 people. And um, then the hurricanes came in those two seasons. We did not have a location. We had property but no building, and we're trying to get through the county approval process to build. And the, um, the hurricanes and some other things that were going on in our community devastated a community of hope. It was a real moment for us. The church lost about 50% of its people over the uh, next few years uh, in that uh, endeavor. Uh, and, um, 
you already heard me share the, the, pre, the pre-expectation of our covenant group as we begin with dinner on Sunday night. So the covenant group was coming up and I was in such a horrible place uh, emotionally uh, and spiritually and just overworked and overwhelmed with the devastation of our community. Uh, I called George, we've been friends since we were MDiv students here in 85. He's my closest friend. And so I called him and I said, I can't, I'm not coming. And George gently pushed and said, you know, Dale, I mean, you have to come. I mean, there's an there's a expectation around that, but how can we help you? And I said, no, you're not listening to me. I'm not coming. I feel like if I come to the covenant group this time, I'm not sure what, what I'm coming back to as a church. And so that was the first time uh, any one of us ever kind of pulled that mm-hmm. uh, card. And George was wise enough to hear that. Uh, the conversation ended. Uh, I felt even more... Uh, devastated by all of that and went through the weekend and so we did church in a place where we could find a church and then the covenant group started and long story short is um, on Monday night so this was a conversation I believe on a Friday and on Monday night Beth and I were sitting down to dinner and there was a knock at the door and I opened the door and the covenant group had come to me and uh, what I want everyone to understand is, you know, I am probably in the ministry today because they showed up at my door. Yeah. And, and know that uh, the community of Hope uh, moved into their property a few years after that, built and moved in property, and they're the second fastest growing, Dale wouldn't tell you this, so I'll say it, <laughs> second fastest growing United Methodist Church in America. And, um, and, and I mean, the interesting thing is we're prouder of it than he is. I mean, that's, a, yeah. that's the irony. Because we all feel like we gave birth to Community of Hope as well. But, uh, go walk agonizing through this with Dale. But, you know, uh, and to think what the kingdom could have lost if Dale had bailed. Mm-hmm. And so, remember I said, you know, God in Christ stepped into our mess. So what was our job as a community? Uh, uh, brothers was to step into his mess. Yeah. And... Um, and I shared t- uh, Tuesday morning yeah. about my youngest son, Nathan, and the struggles that uh, he has gone through with an addiction and, and how it's involved uh, being in and out of jail. And, uh, um, you know, uh, Max, when he was pastoring in Gainesville, uh, would go and visit my son in jail. Uh, Dale uh, was at a mandatory <laughs> conference training and, uh, and uh, knew that my son was... Uh, going to appear before the judge. And uh, it was, what, six hours drive? Uh, he and one of our pastors who was at the same meeting with him uh, drove and stood before the judge and uh, spoke to uh, our family's character and um, mm-hmm. spoke to uh, Nathan, who he's known since he was born and has helped raise Nathan. Uh, their, their, their Uncle Dale, Uncle Matthew, Uncle Max, I'm Uncle George to Haley and Shelley and, and to their children. And uh, so Nathan has continued to struggle. And uh, uh, one Saturday night, he overdosed on heroin. And uh, um, I'm convinced the enemy of our soul knows that if things are going to screw up in a pastor's family, it needs to happen <laughs> on Saturday, you know. And uh, so I got the phone call and made my way to where Nathan was. I had been told by his friend that he was dead. And um, so I made my way there and texted the guys. It was about 11 o'clock at night. I texted the guys and said, hey, um, just pray. Nathan overdosed. Um, 
not sure what what's there. Uh, about uh, three o'clock in the morning, my phone rings, and it's Matthew, and uh, he preaches a pastors a big church, several thousand people come to his church, uh, Saturday night services, Sunday morning services, and he said he had a prompting from the Holy Spirit to wake up, and he says he never wakes up, and he had a prompting, especially on Saturday night, and wow. a prompting from the Holy Spirit to get up and check his, his, his uh, email, or his, his text, and he saw my text, and he called me, prayed with me, helped us through that dark night. Um, the next morning, of course, I didn't go to church, and I was at home. Uh, it was a sleepless night. About 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I hear some noise out in the driveway, and I hear the doorbell ring, and I come to the door, and it's Matthew and his wife, Maisie. And they had just finished three very intense services with lots of people coming to Jesus, and lots of responsibility of leading a large church, and they drove two and a half hours to come and stand at our front door to step into our house, to embrace Cheryl and me, to weep with us, to pray with us, and then I said, Matthew, come on, just stay. You, Maisie, stay with us. And he said, no, 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 you don't need us in your home. And this is the lesson, friends. Um, good friends know when to come, and good <laughs> friends know when to leave. Because he really didn't need to stay. And so they, they drove two and a half hours to pray with us. They, you were there, what, five minutes maybe? Five minutes yeah. to do that. And, um, and I will tell you that during that 10-year season that we've journeyed with Nathan, he's in a much better place today by the grace and mercy of God. But uh, uh, during that journey of, of those 10 years, it was these guys. It was Max going to see my son in jail. It was Dale standing before a judge. It was Matthew mm -hmm. standing at my front door and saying, we're here with you. We will stand with you. Yeah. And uh, when my little granddaughter got injured uh, and was very, very seriously injured, 17 months old, just uh, two weeks ago, this past Monday, it was these guys. Uh, it was these guys that were there uh, with my family. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not just in those moments of, of deep, dark crisis in family or a sense of ministerial career crisis. It's in the normal ebb and flow of our life events. We do life together. George has already said it's not just the, the spring and fall retreat when we see each other, talk to each other. Uh, there's not a single day that goes by that we're not either calling or texting or we're at some other conference we're mutually attending together, but also uh, each other's parents' funerals, each other's kids' weddings, you know, all of those life passages, we're all a part of it. Uh, in fact, I just became a, a grandpa for the first time. Woohoo! Uh, welcome to the club! You know, this past month, and... Um, you know, just the sense of their engagement with that. Uh, I remember what, three days later, there you were holding her in your arms. I mean, just that probably has been even more precious to us than those big, dark, scary moments. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that there's this band of brothers that we're doing all of life together. There's rich community and deep relationship there. Uh, that runs deep, and that, you know, and I'm, I've just finished 30 years in ministry. I know I wouldn't still be in this gig if it weren't for these guys, mm -hmm. if it weren't for that process. 
One thing I want to tap on here too is uh, we, we actually heard it Tuesday um, and that's a, around uh, issues of personal discipline and personal boundary, mm -hmm. personal holiness. Uh, one of the strong issues and temptations uh, in our culture is how, how we live lives that honor God in our personal morality and our personal purity. And uh, we regularly push into those areas uh, in, our, in our lives. So um, George does a lot of travel. And we will ask him when he's traveling, you know, um, who he's taking with him when it's appropriate to have someone else with him. Uh, we'll ask him when he's traveling as we ask all of us, you know, are you clean personally? What are you looking at? Um, you know, are you mm -hmm. violating any covenant around those kinds of things? And... You know, again, uh, appreciated so much uh, Eric Stewart's testimony on Tuesday. What a powerful yeah. testimony that was. But um, to, to be able to have friends for whom you can be um, ruthless, I think our phrase is to mm -hmm. be ruthlessly honest with one another. It's not uncommon for us to ask each other about those questions and then follow up as Wesley would, so are you telling the truth? Yeah. Yeah, and, you, Randy um, Frazee says, you need people in your life who love you but are not impressed by you. That's yep. right. And, and, and that's, that's certainly us, okay? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, Amen. And, I, and, I would, and I'd put it into, into the realm of correction, too. I mean, there, there's, uh, I'll pick on Max since he doesn't have a microphone. But um, there was a season in Max's life when, when he was in the local church. He's now the president of the that's Mission great. Society. But there was a season in his life when we were concerned as brothers that he was traveling too much as a local church pastor and um, and that he was and that he was really was it was that the work that he was doing for God was destroying the work of God in him and so uh, we gathered at a meeting one time and we just kind of locked the door and said we're not leaving until we wrestle this thing to the ground and uh, we we said we think as your brothers that you need to put a moratorium on speaking and it was what two years max so for two years and this guy is a remarkable communicator like one of God's best. And we said, you know, other than pastoring your church, you got to put a, put a kibosh on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say that I think it was out of some of that season that God began to open the door for him to move into the next phase of his life, which is being the president of the Mission Society. And I wonder if you would have been able to hear the voice of God because you were moving so fast and yeah. now you're in this new, new, new deal. Um, these guys, uh, particularly these two, um, there was a season early on in, in my ministry uh, where I was working so hard at the local church uh, that I was not uh, dating Cheryl. And uh, I've always uh, loved the way that Dale honors Beth and, and Matthew honors Maisie with time. And uh, man, they just crawled up inside of me and said, you are going to do this. And, uh, and I'm going home uh, tonight. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow's date night, and uh, uh, and I wouldn't be there. We we you know unless it's a wedding or a funeral. Yeah. You know, Friday night is date night. Uh, and In fact, we uh, most of us have each other's spouse's cell phone number, and right. we'll text them. That's right. Like <laughs> you know, like Cheryl. Is, is he acting up? George, you know, <laughs> right. Beth. Can you tell me? You know, and and uh, I, I just think that's part of that vulnerability process. And you know, as we're kind of getting ready to land the plane here, let me just encourage all of you not just to say, oh, well, when I finish seminary, 
when I get established in whatever my ministerial vocational role might be, local church or otherwise, when I kind of get some years under my belt, you know, I'll kind of start thinking about this. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of start realizing I need to do this before I kind of get up in years. No. You do it now. You start it now. There's no reason to wait. There's no reason not to begin having those conversations. Sometimes it'll be in fits and starts, and you won't sort of... We, we're not the same configuration of a covenant group now that we started out 26 years ago. One uh, sort of got voted off the island, and one was invited on to the island. And so, you know, uh, well, two. Two. Two left, and, and one is now on. What, one guy thought we weren't holy enough. That was a very interesting... Bit. Yeah, but during Holiness Week during here. Holiness but, yeah, during Holiness Week. So, so we're going to pull it to a close. Let, let's stand and pray. Uh, Dale's going to pray for us. But um, yeah, hear what Matthew's saying. Um, you know, with the gift of technology, why wouldn't you start now? I mean, there isn't a reason why, you, you know, uh, you couldn't gather with your band of sisters and brothers, mm -hmm. start it now. Because we've made a commitment that we're doing this to the very end. And we have this little running joke in our covenant group says there are seven of us, and the first guy that dies is going to have six preachers at his funeral. <laughs> and it sucks to be the last guy. I'm the youngest. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. So, so start it now, you know, and, and do the long haul together. Here's, mm -hmm. the, here's, the, here's the other deal. When we started this, uh, if you know anything about United Methodist culture, we were the, we were the suit-wearing afraid young associates who sat in the back of annual conference. Mm -hmm. We didn't know anybody. We were not considered leaders. We hadn't said anything that was noteworthy or written anything that was noteworthy. We were sitting in the back of the annual conference, afraid of all those elders in the church. And uh, 25, 30 years later now, uh, we're leading churches and trying to be leaders in our denomination for renewal. And uh, and I would tell you that we didn't have a crystal ball that said these seven guys are going to be great Methodist leaders. We did not. What I would suggest to you is that God, through the gift of our community together, has raised us up to places of leadership in the church. And um, so there's a lot at stake in this thing about living in community. So yeah. Dale, why don't you pray for us? Yeah, let's, let's, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we want to come uh, in this moment and first of all, just thank you for the richness of this community and what this means for. I mean, every time I'm back and on this campus, Lord, I feel uh, there's such a sense of your presence. There's such a sense of uh, important work that is going on here. But Lord God, I pray uh, in the power of your Holy Spirit that you would that you would challenge us not to become seduced by that in terms of thinking that is only location. Mm -hmm. That you would challenge us around the talks and the conversations we're having in these moments. That you would challenge us around the teaching and the leading and the prompting that uh, Jessica is doing, that Dr. Pohl offered earlier this week. That, God, we might use this as time in our lives, Lord, not to just be hearers, but to be doers yes. of what is presented yeah. to us. Yeah. Uh, would you shake something up within our soul, within our spirit, so that, Lord, we would recognize our own neediness, our own temptations, Lord, at folly, our own propensity, Lord, to live in isolation and aloneness. Mm -hmm. And God, by your spirit, would you challenge us to step out of that into known community, into 
appropriate, pre, appropriate and right attachments, that, Lord, we would be building community so that when we are dispensed from this place and serve in ministry, O oh God, and, and stretch toward the dream, you, we're here being trained to what you've called us to, Lord, we would go into that place and raise the temperature, yes. uh, Lord, of social holiness yeah. in that setting. God, I pray for every heart listening that, Lord, you would do a new, fresh work in us and that you would lead us into these relationships. God, challenge us that, that we would not settle for anything less than true and honest biblical community. This is our prayer. And we bring it now before you in the name of Jesus and call it done. And everyone said, amen. 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 amen.